Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. church and happy Mother's Day wherever you are. Um, How crazy is it that we're doing church virtually? So a virtual hello and good morning to all of you. My name is Laura and I am so honored to be spending Mother's Day with you. It's probably the most unique one that any of us have ever had. So whether you're a mom who's hiding in the bathroom right now from your kids just trying to get a few moments of silence, we see you. Well, we don't see you. Um, Some Zoom meetings have been catching that, but that's for another day. Anyone else feel like you never, ever want to go on a Zoom meeting ever again? Maybe it's just me, but um, I'm so excited to be spending Mother's Day with you. Maybe you're a son whose Mother's Day only wish is that you would come and watch church with them. And so there you are on the couch watching church from six feet away. Gosh, it gets really complicated, doesn't it? Let's stick with virtual virtually hi wherever you are good morning happy mother's day and uh, i'm so excited to be spending time with you i actually um, gave birth about four weeks ago so if at any time you hear a crying baby and i suddenly get up and leave that's that's what's happening but no we've gone from wow this is really special all of this extra family time look at us stuck in this house to wow all of this extra family time, look at us stuck in this house. What are we gonna do to pass the day? You know, Alfred Hitchcock once said that movies are life with the dull bits cut out. We don't often in movies see a mom struggling with a toddler or someone brushing their hair or brushing their teeth or, you know, doing their laundry. And if we do, there is a bumping soundtrack that is happening in the background that makes it seem even more epic or profound than it is. For a lot of us, Mother's Day 2020 in isolation looks like life where we have to embrace all the dull bits. And the only soundtrack that is happening in my house is Frozen 2, and it's enough to make me well, I'm not gonna go there, pray for me, okay? It's a rough eight weeks of, you know, anyway. Um, It doesn't mean though that we're not busy, right? Especially for all the women out there and the dads. You know, some of us, when we're experiencing um, this isolation, it's like a forced sabbatical. You know, you're, you're in your home, maybe you're actually having a really spiritually transformative experience. Um, For others, it looks like trying to stay as productive as you possibly can at work while at the same time homeschooling your three kids. I think of my cousin who has four kids under the age of 10, homeschooling all of them, trying to, you know, be a wife and a mom. And I'm thinking, golly, I have it easy with a three-year-old and a a four-week-old, you know. Um, But all of us, regardless of, of what our experience is, we now have all the entertainment kind of taken out, except for a few Netflix shows, which really how many shows can you watch, right? Um, and, uh, and all the distraction that normally pushes us through the dull bits of life taken away. Um, but regardless of your experience, we have a shared existential crisis that is happening from, from Christians, non-Christians, church leaders, moms, dads. Um, and what that is, is what is the point of life right now? And not uh, the point of life, but how do I make meaning out of a time when I feel completely stranded? How do I feel like my life has purpose when I'm stuck? Um, One of my favorite books is by Trish Harrison Warren, and it's called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And it says this, it says, we tend to want a Christian life with all the dull bits cut out. Yet God made us to spend our days in rest, work, and play, taking care of our bodies, our families, our neighbors, and our homes. 
What if these boring parts matter to God? What if the days passed in ways that feel small and insignificant to us are weight and meaning and part of the abundant life that God has? Christ's ordinary years are part of our redemptive story. Because of the incarnation and those long, unrecorded years of Jesus' life, our small, normal lives matter. If Christ was a carpenter, all of us who are in Christ find that our work is sanctified and made holy. There is no task too small or too routine to reflect God's glory and worth. Now, for some of us, that is encouraging, but for others of us, it, it produces a reality that is far more daunting because we are in conflict with our own culture. We are part of a culture that screams the next big, amazing, outstanding, fabulous, life-altering, social media-worthy experience is what brings your life meaning. And it's uh, hilarious watching even on Instagram right now, unless it's photos of my baby, which I will completely destroy your life with, you'd be so overstimulated. It's photos of Zoom meetings. Like how many Zoom meetings can we possibly post? But that is what our entertainment and distraction has been diluted into. Um, and yet we're at conflict with what our culture is saying is produce, perform, amazing, something that's extravagant that proves your worth. Um, you know, Paul encourages us in Romans 12, 1 to 2, saying this about our lives. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your ordinary, everyday life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention to God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So if Paul is encouraging us in our ordinary lives, what does culture promote that is in conflict with this? And I think it really is the crisis that many of us are facing internally. You know, all of our, our, our lifestyle has changed, but the feeling still exists, right? And I think it can be diluted to something maybe as simple, um, not entirely, but as this, productivity, meaning, importance, and validity versus regular, ordinary, stay-at-home and obedient lives. We are feeling the tension of living life somewhere between the two. And yet Paul is encouraging us in our ordinary lives to give it to God as a sacrifice, as an offering. The reality is for myself and my husband, we've been going through a pretty radical year of transformation, um, a year of sabbatical and Sabbath and rest. And COVID has just put all of that on steroids. Um, you see, my 20s were awesome. We got married at 20 years old and we spent that first decade of our marriage doing whatever we wanted. Um, what did you call us? Dinks, double income, no kids, okay? It was like the best 10 years. We went everywhere and we did everything. And not just from like a kind of shallow perspective, but as believers, like I was a youth pastor for most of it. We were on staff at some amazing churches, um, did lots of missions work, YWAM, Africa, Thailand, India, uh, Guatemala, all over. Um, and I think you could have often heard me say something like, I am living my dream. Like this is my dream and I am living it. Um, I could tangibly in those, in that decade, I could tangibly, or at least what I thought, see the value of every day of my life. I could see what happened when I was working with teenagers and I genuinely felt like, man, I am building God's kingdom. I am part of doing something radical here. 
Um, at one point, three years ago, my husband and I sold almost everything we own and uprooted, moved countries, just to help with the church plant. And we felt pretty radical <laughs> and arrogant, clearly. <laughs> um, and the problem is that something snapped. We were there for a few years and, uh, you know, you could call it burnout, you could call it um, a lot of things, but we hit a wall. And I remember being, um, at that point, my little girl was about one years old. We'd been there for about a year. And it was a Easter weekend. And I often pulled 14 to 16 hour days um, which is very hard with a baby. <laughs> and uh, we had a massive Easter event and she had been on my back the whole, the whole time, like the week leading up and then that whole day on my back. Um, maybe not the whole time, but pretty much outside of feeding. <laughs> and uh, I had a young woman come up to me um, and she said, wow, I, I want to be just like you when I'm a mom. And I remember having this moment of like, please don't. Like, I am so embarrassed right now about who I am as a mom. I felt like in that moment I had clarity that my own ambition was coming before my daughter's needs. And it was really confusing because my ambition felt very kingdom, um, which a lot of people are going to maybe can describe what they do on a weekly basis, the exact same way I am. And for you, it is kingdom work. But for me, it had somehow become my ambition my personal ambition and my identity was so connected to it. I remember reading Michael Horton's book years prior to this called Ordinary Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World, um, which at that point I had found almost offensive because he was talking about um, how we as believers need to stop searching for the next big thing and just allow the Lord to transform us in the ordinary everyday lives, our lives. Um, and I remember in this crisis thinking, oh my gosh, I remember this book and I, I have this real desire just to be with God and spend time with him and, and my daughter and my family. Can I do that? And it hit me. I had no time for anyone. I had no time for my family. I did not know my neighbors. We lived on the street for like six or seven years and we knew one person's name and it was only because his name is Barry and we live in Barry. That's it. <laughs> we, no one else. I did not have time for my family. And at this point, my mom had been diagnosed with cancer and I wanted so badly to take care of her and be there, but my lifestyle just couldn't support it. Um, and I was very short fused. I had so much grace for my own ambition, but not for anyone else. <laughs> um, and I wasn't coming across like a nasty person. Um, although actually some may argue that, but it was, it was very guised in the spiritual experience. Um, I remember though, one of the teenagers coming up to me and saying, um, Pastor Laura, you don't like me, do you? And all I could think to myself was, oh, you can tell. Shoot, like, what am I gonna do? You can tell. Not like, of course I love you. I didn't, I hadn't, like I was here and uh, I feel bad. I think I love her now. But um, <laughs> I hit a wall, basically. Um, and the good thing, kind of, is that my husband hit it at the same time. And that was almost a year and two months ago. And we found ourselves back in Canada. We moved into my parents' house at 32 with a two-year-old. Like, how extravagant of a life is that? And thank God for my parents. They saved us. Um, and we crashed and slept and cried. And we took a hard six-month sabbatical followed by six months of, God, where do you want us and what do you want us to do? 
Um, and what was interesting is that when my life, which was hustle, 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 build, 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 came to a halt, all of a sudden my identity was in complete crisis. Um, I actually realized how narcissistic I was, which is like really embarrassing to say out loud. My need to be needed was more important than um, my daughter's at points. You know, that's heartbreaking to say out loud. And yet there's something about saying it out loud that holds me accountable to never going back to that. Um, I, yeah, I was, my whole identity was in flux. And what I suddenly needed courage for wasn't some radical missions trip, although those are amazing and transformative. Um, but now I needed courage for ordinary life, like regular, ordinary, daily, everydayness. Um, I needed God's presence in some ways more than I had ever before, because with all of the distraction and the hustle and bustle and my identity being found in building things and producing things, I was faced with myself. <laughs> and I don't know if you know yourself very well, but me getting to know myself was a really kind of terrifying experience. Um, not in a bad way though, because his presence was with me and it was, I could tell it was God trying to break me, but I literally felt like he was completely breaking me. Um, there was no more platforms to boost my self-esteem. There was no more accolades. I was not leading anyone. I honestly could barely even lead myself, um, but I was hungry for God out of absolute desperation. Like if you don't help me, I, I'm not okay. I would say that to a lot of people and I don't think they knew how to take it. They'd say, how are you? Like, I'm not okay. Like, I'm really, really not okay. Um, and uh, it was ironic because no one really helped. They tried to, but it was like God in his mercy just hands off. Um, let it be me and him going through this. Um, in October, just like a few months ago, I was flying back. I was in Newfoundland and I was trying to get jam onto the airplane from a lovely church in Newfoundland. And I had reached my liquid maximum, but I thought like, I have to bring this jam home. It is homemade jam. And this lady behind me said, oh, to the security guard, which now I'm like admitting to lying, but it's going to be okay. Um, she was like, oh, we're together. This is our jam. And then she brought the jam. So there's my lie, okay? Um, but it turns out we are sisters in Christ. So we end up sitting down and we're talking and she's a Christian and um, she's older than me. She's actually a grief doula, like as if anyone better could have been sent to me at an airport, a grief doula. I was grieving the loss of a life that I was still living, kind of a bizarre feeling. But we sat there in this tiny little airport just talking and talking and I began pouring my heart out to this, this woman. Um, we actually had the same layover. And so when we got off the airplane, she said, can I take you out for dinner? And I was like, yes, I'll pay, but yes, I mean, <laughs> but she didn't let me pay, which is why another reason I think she's an angel. Um, but we sat there and I just cried. I cried and cried and cried and poured my heart out to this, this lovely woman. And uh, I said to her, I remember at one point, I just so badly want to honor God with my life. I just don't know what that looks like anymore. And she looked at me and said, well, Laura, stop trying to produce for him and just start trying to live life with him. And that hit me. Um, Dallas Willard in his book called The Divine Conspiracy, he says that where transformation is actually carried out is in our real life, where we dwell with God and our neighbors, that we must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and his blessing. 
The place of God's kingdom that I find myself in a lot these days is with a three-nager and a newborn. And I think that's actually exactly where God needs me to be as he continues to transform me into someone who's more like him. Um, Aw, can you hear him? He's crying, but my hubby's there. Um, In the middle of the nights as I'm feeding my baby, I spend that time scrolling through Instagram. I know, how profound, right? Um, And so if you're posting and I I, I follow you and find you, you're entertaining me at 3 a.m. and I'm very grateful for it. That's why I need more than Zoom photos, okay, people? I I don't, at 3 a.m. I need more than a bunch of faces on a screen. Just like entertain me, okay? Anyway, the other week I came across a post from Heather Farrell, who I don't know. It was like a tagged by someone who was tagged by someone and that's how deep into 3 a.m. I was. And uh, she was making the observation that in scripture, you often see men having mountaintop moments where they can steal away and they can experience transformative spiritual moments, Um, but that you often don't see women on mountains. And it's because they are stuck in the minutia of female life. You know, they, outside of the fact that it was, you know, a male dominant society and all of that, they couldn't abandon their babies, their meals, their homes, their fires, their gardens, their businesses, and a thousand other responsibilities to climb the mountain. How frustrating, right? And, uh, you know, I feel familiar to, or similar to Heather now in my new life as a mom and a wife, um, working a regular job, not experiencing radical moments anymore, uh, living an ordinary life and an ordinary life that's now in isolation. I am not able to find the time to be free enough from my responsibilities to steal away to a mountain and commune with God the way I wanted to. Um, I could, I guess, bring my three-year-old and four-week-old, but as any young mom knows, that would instantly destroy the mountain experience, (laughs) and uh, it would not be transformative in a positive way, I'm sure of it. Um, You know, what's interesting is back in my other life, I, for almost a decade, took Thursdays from 7 a.m. till 1 p.m., and I sat on the couch behind me, and I prayed and listened to worship music. I had a lifestyle where I could have mountaintop moments, but what those moments fueled was something really quite arrogant and about me. Not that it wasn't impactful because of God's grace and what he does, Um, but in this season where I'm so desperate for him, I am so slammed with the craziness of little kids that I can't steal away. Well, what Heather's friend observed and how she responded to her friend's frustration was saying this. She said, that's why God comes to women. Men climb the mountain to meet God, but God comes to women wherever they are. Now, I wouldn't hang my theology hat on that, (laughs) but there is definitely a pattern in the Bible of God coming to women, meeting them where they are in their ordinary everyday work. He meets them at the wells where they draw water for their families, in their homes, in their kitchens, in their gardens. He sits with them as they're beside sick beds, as they're giving birth, as they take care of the elderly and perform necessary burial rites. You know, even the women at the tomb who were first to see Christ's resurrection, witness it. They were only there because they were doing the womanly chore of properly preparing Christ's body for burial. In this seemingly mundane and ordinary task, these women found themselves face to face with divinity. You know, I don't think this is just reserved for women. I think it's something actually that COVID is trying to teach all of us, that solitude is different than isolation. A lot of us can experience COVID as isolation and there's nothing productive that comes from that except anxiety, which again, not productive. 
Whereas solitude sets us up for a really transformative spiritual moment. Solitude is what Jesus experienced in the wilderness. He was alone, but he wasn't alone. You know, he was there with God, dwelling with God. And I think that for all of us, if we can see that we are now living without any entertainment or distraction, just the dull bits, everything else has been cut out. Um, but we're not isolated. And the Holy Spirit maybe has us positioned exactly where we are because he wants to do something in our lives. Ron Dreyer says, everydayness is my problem. <laughs> and I just think, how true is that? You know, but back to Romans 12, what would happen if we took our ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around lives, and placed it before God as an offering? What does every day look like? Um, during COVID, it probably looks like a pared back version of real life, although all those same emotions are present. But what about when things gear back up again? I think most of us are familiar with the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10, 38 to 42. Um, you know, where Jesus comes and Martha is so busy, busy in the kitchen and preparing. And Mary is the one that's sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, it looks like a rebuke to Martha when she's complaining about Mary, that Mary's chosen the better thing and not to be worried or be upset and distracted. But I think a lot of us misread it, you know, that she was too busy and shame on Martha. You know, as a mom, I think, great. <laughs> Once again, I feel shamed because... I can't possibly do less. In a day, I have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Like, I have to feed the kids. I have to, you know, I used to have Mary's schedule, but now I have Martha's schedule. And um, I, I would love to have the time to sit undistracted and get rid of the things I need to do. But I think that this isn't necessarily a story about busyness. I think it's a, a story about distraction, being distracted by the things that we are doing. Um, and I think this because, you know, hospitality, being hospitable, that's what Martha was doing. She was hosting. And in Romans 12, actually, as believers, we're all commanded to practice hospitality. It is part of an, like one of the most powerful evangelistic tools that there is, unless you're like me. Um, I'm desperate to get to know my neighbors. And so I made chocolate chip cookies, peanut butter chocolate chip cookies, and delivered them to the house right behind me with a little boy. And I knocked on the door and said, here's some cookies. I hope no one's allergic to peanuts. And they said, our son is deathly. I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to be Jesus here. <laughs> what, what in the world is going on? Um, you know, so hospitality is actually a spiritual, it's something that we're commanded to do as, as believers. And that's what Martha was doing, practicing hospitality. Um, and it's interesting, Jesus didn't say, stop what you're doing and sit. He said, you're so distracted and it's making you upset and worried and you're missing the point. And I wonder if what happened with Martha is less about busyness and more about being distracted. You know, in my life, there is a lot for me to do. I have to feed laundry. I mean, I don't have to, but I should, you know, do laundry, keep my house clean, try and shower. Like, don't let this fool you, okay? This took a lot of effort. Most days, I look like a boy in, anyway. Um, keep my newborn fed, read stories, get some outside time in, make sure I'm disciplining, um, keeping a newborn alive, you know. Um, but it's realizing that just like for Martha, her, it was her honor to host Jesus, and she was using her gift of hospitality to do so. It's my honor to raise these kids and be in this home. Um, I think what Jesus is saying is, Martha, the divine is happening right now in front of you. 
while you host, while you do what you need to do, open your eyes and see the divine. Don't let what you need to do distract you from the fact that I'm here. Her distraction and our distraction creates in us worry and makes us upset. Jesus' words to Martha can be seen as an invitation rather than an abuke. Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need for only one thing. The one thing is for Martha to receive the gracious presence of Jesus in her ordinary, everyday role as Martha. As mom, as daughter, as husband, as stranded single during COVID crisis. Can we get to a place where we can open our eyes in the middle of the busy um, and not necessarily the radical busy, just the stay-at-home busy, and see that Jesus' presence is here with us and he's inviting us to see him and experience him. Um, Trish Harrison Warren, also uh, an amazing quote, actually in Horton's book, says this, a prominent new monastic community house had a sign on the wall that read famously, everyone wants a revolution, no one wants to do the dishes. And she says this, um, my life is really rich in dirty dishes and diapers these days and really short in revolutions. And each week we average sinners and boring saints gather around ordinary bread and wine and Christ himself is there with us. I've come to the point where I'm not sure anymore just what God counts as radical. And I suspect that for me, getting up and doing the dishes when I'm short on sleep and patience is far more costly and necessitates more of a revolution in my heart than some of the more outwardly risky ways I've lived in the past. The bravery it takes to believe that a small life is still a meaningful life and the grace to know that even when I'm not doing anything that is powerful or bold or even interesting, that the Lord notices me and is fond of me and that that is enough. And then, so I think that's the encouragement for us on this Mother's Day 2020, not just for moms, not just for women, but all of us, you know, we are in a unprecedented time. You are in isolation and so am I. Um, all of the exciting, distracting in an entertainment sense, bits of life have been cut out and we are left with the doll. And maybe you're like me and you've gone through a pretty transformative season where your life looked really radical and now it looks really like normal. Or you were living a radical life literally eight weeks ago and you've been slammed into COVID normality and you're sitting there going, what is meaningful about this? What is the purpose of all of this? And could it be that uh, Martha's invitation is for all of us? Not, you know, how dare you be so busy and so distracted and so overwhelmed, but, you know, hey, you're distracted and the divine is here. He is with you. He is amongst you. And it could be that you could find meaning, just like I'm finding meaning, looking for the Lord's presence as I deal with my three-year-old, as I'm with my newborn, as I'm doing the dishes, as I'm you know, trying not to kill my neighbors as I deliver food to them, you know, that God is here and he's dwelling amongst us. And that is what makes our life meaningful. We have an opportunity to walk in intimacy with Jesus. Um, and just like that lady at the airport said to me, it's not about producing for him. And right now, most of us, if we were producing for him, it is shut right down. What if it's about doing life with him? What if this is an invitation to intimacy with God? And so moms, I do pray for you that you would see that he is meeting you in your ordinary everyday tasks and that all of us would be encouraged to know him more in this 2020 year. God bless. Bye. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media 
to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.